G'day and thanks for tuning in to the Outpost Church podcast. We are in an Advent series. Advent simply means arrival and it's a reminder for us of what the arrival of Jesus means for us. We have hope, peace, joy and love all in the person of Jesus Christ. I also want to challenge you to seriously consider getting involved in our upcoming Discipleship Training Week. We just had what was a remarkable church camp in October. It's amazing what happens when a group of people just say no to the various competing demands of life for a few days and fix their eyes on Jesus. This is not a new concept. The Jews would take the journey up to Jerusalem three times a year in spring, summer and autumn. It wasn't about learning something new. It was about being reminded of what matters most and collectively declaring that God is worth all that we have to give. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Take a week and join with us in kicking off 2023 with Jesus front and centre. And now, here's the teaching from our Sunday gathering. Sweet. Yeah, as everyone's just settling in, um, yeah, I just hope today through this message that it is just an opportunity for us to adore him more, to give him the glory that, yeah, anything that I say and the revelation that you receive, that it would just be glory to him and you'd be able to live out what you receive today. Um, I didn't get to hear Christy's message last week, but heard, yeah, raving reviews about it and that was on hope. And so we're continuing our series on Advent this week and, and I get to speak on peace and I'll be looking specifically at the the fact that it's the gospel of peace. So I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 14. In the, same, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a saviour was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favours. So if you want to keep that passage open, I will be referring back to it. But yeah, let's just pray as we get into it. Father, we just thank you so much that you have brought us peace, that there is a gospel that brings peace to us and it's relevant to us today and it's something to look forward to as well going forward. We just pray that, yeah, anything you speak through me today would be 
um, helpful and would be encouraging and that there would be something that each of us can take away from what's shared today and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you ever have a, probably more relates to a parent, but you might get it on the receiving end as a kid, but do you ever have it where you're constantly asking someone to do something? You're repeatedly, repeatedly asking them to do something. So maybe it's like, can you pick your shoes up? Or can you take your plates to the sink when you're finished? Or can you make your bed? Or look both ways before you cross the road? Or like, same things as a kid, you're on the receiving end of those. Your parents are often, can you do this? Can you do that? And the point of those commands, it's not necessarily just to make the other person's life easier. It's actually because they're important things. They're important lessons to learn and they're important to the person who's asking you to do them. And in the Bible, there's these commands where it says, fear not or do not be afraid. And it actually, there's actually over 300 mentions of those commands in the scriptures. Some people say there's 365 of them. So one for each day, do not be afraid. So the fact that it's repeated that often shows me that it's important to God that we don't live in fear, that we're not people who are afraid, we're not people who are bound by anxiety and worry. But like, how do we do that in our world? Because you get almost every single day there's an invitation to just join with one of those things, there's an invitation to worry, there's another job added to the list to just invite you into stressing about something, just... And yeah, the more I chat to people, the more I hear like our lives are fairly busy. There's lots of things we can worry about. So how can God expect us to not be afraid, to not worry? I've, I've seen um, yeah, in the Bible and in this passage as well that there's this pattern throughout the scriptures and it's that, that God can give us peace, that there's peace with God. And what that means is that yeah, we have peace with God and then therefore God is with us and he empowers us to live in that. So in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. They were these perfect creations, sinless creations, fully compatible with God. They had peace with God. They would walk with him in the cool of the evening. But then they disobeyed the one rule that he gave them and that was to not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not eat the fruit of that. And they ate that and what that did was it it damaged their relationship with God. It broke their peace with God. And their relationship and God's relationship with his people was changed forever. Sin entered the world. So what God did was he clothed them with an animal. He sacrificed an animal and clothed them, covered their sin. And that was the first time that you see um, something else having to die so that sin could be forgiven and covered. And it says in Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, that there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, yeah, there's this system established right in the beginning of the Bible where sin causes us to be separated from God. And in order for there to be peace restored between us and God, something has to die. Blood needs to be shed, a sacrifice needs to be provided. Because the punishment of sin is death. So you fast forward a little bit to around Moses' time and sin is still an issue for God's people. That God gives this law to Moses and it's the law that is teaching them of how to live in peace with each other and in peace with God. And the people accept it. It's about living in righteousness, right relationship with God and with each other. 
but they continuously fall short of that because there's this issue inside the people that sin, sin is there. It's stopping them from being able to live out what God is calling them in to do, in to do, in to do, there you go, calling them to do. You know, it's like same as what Paul says in Romans 7, there's things that they want to do, but they can't do it. And then there's things that they don't want to do, and they just continuously keep on doing them. And the issue is sin inside of them. It's not that they, yeah, it's not the desire of what they want to do necessarily, but it's sin inside them stopping them from being able to live at peace with God and peace with each other. So as we continue reading through the Bible, you get to the prophets, and there's this, the talks are just continuously ramping up, that there's this one who's coming, this Messiah, who's actually going to bring peace, that he's going to fix everything He's going to set them free from captivity and oppression. And he's actually going to establish a kingdom that will never end. A kingdom of peace. He is going to bring peace. And so that's where we're up to when we read this passage in Luke. There's been this whole history of Israel. So I want to read that out to us again now with a bit of context. So in the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So we just pause for a moment and try and picture that, because it's a, obviously a common story, we hear it every year. But just picture yourselves, if you were out in a field at night with some mates, and maybe you're doing a job, and there's moonlight, the stars are out, you, maybe you've got a fire there. And then all of a sudden, an angel appears in front of you and the glory of the Lord shines around you. I would also be terrified. <laughs> be very shocked. And so we continue on and read what the angel says. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, emphasis on today. These guys, throughout Israel's history, they've been told there's this one who's coming, who's going to bring peace. He's going to fix that issue of peace between them and God, that there's this relationship that they have been longing to have with God and more so God's been longing to have with them that they haven't been able to have. And today, today, not soon, not tomorrow, Today in the city of David, a saviour was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. And then he goes, this will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And I love this bit. I can just picture like, so you picture God's heart for you. Try and catch a glimpse of that. From the beginning, God created humans to have a relationship with them, to walk in peace with his creation. They're his children, right? And that peace is shattered from the beginning. And he spent like a couple, I don't even know, I've chatted to Ernie about how long, thousands of years wanting to restore peace with his people. And finally today he gets to roll that plan out to restore peace with his people, bring his kids back. And I can just imagine heaven at this point, just like they're pumped. They hear about this Messiah and he's actually entered the scene. The plan is finally getting rolled out. And they can't help but just explode onto the scene. And it says, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven 
and peace on earth to people he favors. <laughs> the Father wants you back. He, he desires peace with his people. And I do not know why it's this emotional. <laughs> yeah, God is bringing peace. So how did he accomplish this? Well, we heard, as I just shared, about how in order to restore peace, there needed to be, something had to die. There needed to be a sacrifice, a shedding of blood to restore peace. So Jesus became that sacrifice for us to restore peace between us and God. In that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Help Me Out, Lockie, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. That is the gospel of peace. It says in the Bible that we were enemies of God, that um, we, we were hostile in our minds and it was expressed through our actions. We weren't living at peace with each other. Our minds were corrupt because of sin in us and we weren't able to live at peace with each other. That's why there's fighting and there's wars because something needed to change in us to live with peace with each other and peace with God. And thank God that today in this city of David, a saviour was born. So Jesus, he became that sacrifice for us. It says, he who knew no sin at all, he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So he took what we deserved so that we could get what he deserved, which is the perfect relationship with his father. That he became like us so that we could become like him. So looking back in this passage, there's this pattern. And so, yeah, that's the gospel in a nutshell, the gospel of peace. But for us to live in peace today, like there's this pattern which I saw throughout the scriptures and we're going to look at a few examples and I'm going to sort of emphasize as we go. But the pattern is this, is that we don't have to be afraid because there's a gospel that brings peace in our lives, for the, like for today. It's not just peace in eternity, but it's for today. We can live in peace with each other and regardless of circumstances. Because if we have peace with God, it doesn't mean that our relationship's just restored. It actually means that God is with us always. And if God's with us, then it's going to be okay. So often um, when we are worrying or we're afraid or anxious what we do, or stressed, what we do is we look at all the things that we don't have. Like if this changed, it would be great. If, if I just get through this list, then it'll be all right. You know, if this circumstance changed, then things would be right. But the Bible actually teaches us and reminds us not to look at what we don't have, but to what we do have. And that is peace with God, to focus on what is true, not what isn't true yet. So greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And that if God is for us, then who can be against us? Yeah, like seriously, if the creator of the universe, he's on your team and he's for your good and you're wanting to do something that he wants and he's the one who came up with the idea of peace, then he's empowering us to live in that peace. When he says, don't be afraid, it's actually possible when it's not. Yeah, if you are afraid, 
I'm hoping that what I share will help you to um, yeah, be empowered to live free from that. And it's, it's due to this peace that we have in Christ. So now I'm just going to go through a few, cha- uh, few passages. You don't necessarily need to follow me because there's four of them. And I should have had slides for these. But the first one, they're all pretty famous, so you should know them when I start talking about them. But we're going to look at Joshua to start with. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 through to 9. And you'll see this this theme of we do not have to be afraid because there is peace with God. And that means that God is with us. So Joshua, he's just taken over the reins of leading Israel from this bloke named Moses, who was an incredible leader and led them out of Egypt and was on the way to the promised land. And so this is what the Lord says to Joshua. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers and give them to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. So that's pretty much saying live in righteousness, which we've found out you can't actually do in the old covenant but he's telling him just yeah if you follow the law this is what will happen and he says this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth you are to meditate on it day and night that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do haven't i commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged and why is that for the lord your god is with you wherever you go And then if you read through Joshua, he just destroys the place and inherits the promised land as was promised. So there it is. Do not be afraid because we have peace with God and that means that God is with us. The next one I'm going to look at, um, Esther actually shared about uh, youth on Friday night and it was awesome. And the title of it, so it's in Matthew 6 and yeah, the, way, the title of the chunk that we'll be looking at, they've given is The Cure for Anxiety. Anxiety. So we're going to be going from verse 31. He said, this is the words of Jesus. He says, so don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So he's saying, don't worry, because, and seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness so seek first that right relationship with God which we know after this Jesus actually accomplished that for us so that we can have right relationship with God and so it's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things that we're worried about they'll be sorted out because God is with us so do not be afraid because God is with us the next one will be looking at is Philippians um, chapter 4, 
It's a good way to learn your way through the Bible if I'm making you flick through it quickly. So he says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Just to put it in context, this guy is currently in prison, in chains, and prison now is terrible. Prison then would have been worse. And he's telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. He says, don't worry about anything. Anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what I love about this and about this peace that we're promised is it's not about denying what is happening. It's not about living like an ostrich with your head in the sand, waiting for that peace to come. It's actually about confronting what's happening, taking it to the Lord, doing it in thanksgiving, remembering the gospel, thanking God for what he has done, for this peace that he's restored with us. And he's promised us that the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. And he goes on, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence and if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. And for that, if you're struggling to find something that fits that criteria, I just recommend think about Jesus laying his life down for us. That ticks all the boxes. That is true. That is honourable. That is just. That's pure. That's lovely. That's commendable. If there is any moral excellence. That is moral excellence. That is praiseworthy. It's worth dwelling on. And he says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. So do not be afraid. Because there is a gospel of peace that has reconciled us to God and God is now with us in all we do. And the last one I'm going to get you to flick to, the words of Jesus again in John chapter 14. If anyone's going to promise you anything, you want it promised by Jesus (laughs) he's committed anything anything he sets out to do he's committed to do he he died the most gruesome death and he had a chance to not do it and he went ahead with it so if he promises you something he's a faithful dude that like he's faithful to his promise all right so John 14 um, verse 27 and 28 says peace I leave with you my peace I give to you I do not give to you as the world gives I think that line is worth we were looking at it on Thursday morning at discipleship morning it's worth 
sitting in that line that he's given us peace and he doesn't give it as the world gives it's worth pondering that and letting the lord shed light on what that means i do not give to you as the world gives don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful so there it is again that command don't let your hearts be troubled or fearful and the empowerment to that is what he said previously that my peace I give to you. His peace is all we need to not let our hearts be troubled, to not fear. So just to put it, I guess, in a practical way that we can actually apply this, like in my um, experience, of pub- like who here just loves public speaking? Just it excites them and there's no nerves involved and... Shane, Beth, yep, there's a couple. But like for most of us, that is like, it's scary. It's putting yourself out there. It's lots of things that can cause, it's just an invitation to fear, an invitation for anxiety, an invitation for nerves. But for me, like, with my experience of this and, and walking in peace in those times is what I would do, even the first few times I actually preached, I would, get up there and the first thing I'd do would just be like, thank you, Lord, that I am your beloved son and that anything I say right now, and regardless of how this goes, that is not going to change. And I would thank him for the truth that he did not give me a spirit of fear and timidity. So if I'm feeling fear and timidity, it's not from him and it's not supposed to stay. Because the next part is that he actually gave me a spirit of power, love and a sound mind. And so I would do that and then I would be free. And I'd be able to walk it out. And often, and I think it's similar in other areas of, I can only, yeah, speak from my life. So I'm not trying to pump myself up. I'm just sharing um, and trying to make it accessible. Like, often people will say, oh, you, like, you don't get flustered very easily or you're not, uh, you don't get stressed very easily. And they just credit it to the fact that I'm laid back. But, like, and so that means that if you're not laid back, then you're just prone to those things. And that, like, you won't find that in the Bible. What you will find is that when you dwell on those things, that when you, you remember that God is with you in scenarios, that he's with you and he's for you, you can live in peace. It doesn't mean that we never get flustered. It just means that when you get flustered, come back to the fact that God is with you. And even if that scenario goes terribly, and he doesn't, fi- he doesn't just... The fact that he's with you doesn't mean that your circumstances are going to be perfect. But what it does mean is that you're still going to be secure. You're still going to be loved. You're still going to be his child. And those are actually greater truths than a life that's perfect and nothing's ever going wrong. So, yeah, I'll invite the worship team back up and I'd love to pray for us and Peace is, it is something that you can pray for and I do recommend praying for each other when you are feeling nervous because sometimes, like, you can't just, yeah, you can't always get yourself out of the hole that you're in, in those, with those feelings of anxiety and those feelings of fear and, and just the unsettledness. But, yeah, so I do encourage you pray for each other in those but sometimes it does come down to remembering the truth as well. Paul encouraged us in that Philippians passage dwell on these things dwell on the gospel of peace the fact that God has made a way so that we never have to be separated from him his presence will never leave us 
He's promised, I will be with you until the end of the age. So I just want to pray for us now that we would receive that. So Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for Christmas, that it's just like the front door to this message, this gospel of peace. That you came as a baby for us, with us in mind. That it was yeah, mercy in your eyes. You came running with mercy in your eyes for us. We just thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. And that your peace is always right there for us to step into and live in. Would you help us to live in that? In Jesus' name.